WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. Can we review our status here, Cy? Let's look at this thing from the uh, from the uh, standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. What am I gonna do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at three o'clock in the afternoon. Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. All right, what have we done on the program today? We've talked about attendance. Yeah, we've talked about net. I suppose we can combine them and talk about like net attendance, but what's the fun of that? So we, we've chatted about both. We've heard many calls on why you do or don't go uh, to the Dome or sporting events in general. And uh, last segment, I tried to figure out the net, and I, you know, I know less than I did when the segment started. But it usually goes the other way. I learned less throughout the five minutes of doing research on the Internet of how the net works. Uh, guests this hour coming up at 3.30 we'll talk a little uh, women's lacrosse I understand who's good in that sport and how that works you know who's good? Syracuse and Maryland they're playing tomorrow in the Dome Melissa Murray Kameni of the Syracuse all-time scoring list very high of it of inside lacrosse of the uh, broadcast for the game tomorrow on ACC Network Extra will join us coming up today at uh, 3.30 joining us uh, right now though maybe he knows how the net works I don't know it's the Hall of Famer, uh, Mike Waters. We'll talk attendance. We'll talk net. Hey, Mike, hello. Uh, do you get the net? Do you got any clue what's going on with the net? Because I, I don't, I don't, I got nothing on this thing. The internet, sure. Yeah. The internet's great. <laughs> <laughs> now the net rankings, I, I, I used to know exactly sort of how they compiled them. They kind of keep the the exact formula a little bit of a secret, but the the key to the net rankings is. It's not like the NCAA selection committee just takes the net rankings and says, okay, whoever's number one in the net is number one overall seed, and we take the top 68 teams, and there you go, and if you're 69 in the net, you're out. No, they, they use it more as a tool to help them seed mm-hmm. teams. And it's also a way of, okay, we're going to take the net, and we're going to use it as the tool where we now go into the quadrant system. And we, it gives us a way of just kind of separating and parsing out games. And we can see now using the net that you've played 10 quad one games. And you've won two of them. Or you've, you've played 10 quad four games and you've lost two of them. And it just gives like the selection committee a better visual on teams when they get down to the nitty-gritty. The other thing, too, you have to remember this isn't the only tool they use. They do use other criteria in the selection of teams. You know, a lot of teams, I'll hear coaches, John Calipari is famous for a guy who I know he knows better, but when he wants to criticize the committee, he acts like he knows nothing and likes to throw things out like, well, the net rankings, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Coach Cal, I wish I could sit you down in a room and, and explain it to you, even though I know you don't need it explained to you. You're just complaining. 
uh, because your team got seeded eighth and, and you got a tough opening round game. Uh, but, no, there's lots of different factors and criteria, and the net isn't the end-all, be-all. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike, I guess, you know, we had the numbers yesterday saying, okay, what, starting to think down the line if Syracuse can make a run, or, you know, thinking about, oh, maybe a team like Clemson is in more trouble than you think they should be, considering, uh, you know, how good they've been at points this season, that teams in the mid-70s in net all three years it's been used to make the tournament have made it in that larges. Wake last year was mid-40s in net and did not, so it's not the end-all. You know what caught me, though, right. here today, Mike, looking at the numbers, and I, I did not re- – maybe this is a larger factor than I realized is margin of victory because, looking back, Syracuse won at Florida State last week, a road win, and went down in the net. Clemson, I mean – annihilated Florida State last night by 40, and they went up by 13 in the net. So I, I think there's more margin of victory hidden in that secret formula than perhaps I was aware of before today. Yeah, and I saw that Clemson jump, too, after a win over Florida State, and I that's, I didn't like that. Um, if you're allowing or encouraging teams just to pummel people, yeah. and also it can depend on when you catch somebody. Are you catching a, a team that's down, and maybe at the end of a tough stretch, and then you know, like a Florida State team who's kind of been put through the, the ringer, mm-hmm. and yeah, Clemson playing at home can run up the score on them. You know, I wouldn't reward Clemson uh, for that. I mean, yeah, you give them a win, that's great, but um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure Florida beating Florida State at home is is it's quad three at best, and maybe quad four. So you know, I don't care how many or how few you beat them by I, there is the bump that Clemson got is really a head scratcher. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. And, and that's when you see things like that, then that does give folks out there ammunition uh, to criticize net rankings. But here's the thing at the end of the day, Clemson's net ranking isn't getting them in. So yes, they had a bump. They're still not getting a ton of credit for beating Florida State at home. Like I said, it's probably quad three or quad four. It would have hurt them if they had lost. It's not going to help them if they win. Uh, yeah, um, Florida State was two twenty something, I think, in, in the net going to that game. So it, it's quad very low. It's a, it's not a good quad uh, the game. <laughs> but Mike, you know, you talk about there's other criteria. The one criteria though that I wonder if maybe it should be again that it used to be an official criteria, then it was kind of like unofficial, but they talked about it, and now like it's officially not official, is you know how you close your last 10 games. Like last 10 games used to be like an actual thing they talked about in the room, and, and now it's not. Do you think now we see this in you know, Syracuse, yes, but I'm speaking maybe about Pitt. Like Pitt struggled at the beginning of the season. They had a new team. Man, you look at their last two months, and they're killing it. Uh, but, but they're lower down than you think they would be in the last two months. Do you think the committee should start looking at the the end of the season more like like they used to 15, 20 years ago? I'm okay if the people in that room and looking at one or two particular teams want to take last 10 games into account or something like that, and and maybe that's the way you can separate Mm -hmm. two teams um, in terms of, okay, now this team's going to get seated here and this one's going to get seated there, or this one's going to get in and this one's not. I I don't want to like have it become... Um, a factor that we use for everybody, a criteria you use for everybody, because, listen, the last 10 games you play in the Big West Conference are not the same last 10 games you play in the Big 12 or the SEC. You know, and somebody finishing their last ten games in the SEC at five and five or six and four is actually a heck of a lot better than somebody in another conference going nine and one or ten and zero. And and 
it's really one of the big reason the NCAA got rid of it was is not only does it kind of get ridiculous to compare two teams from two different leagues in the last 10, but when you've got the, the conferences growing and you have unbalanced schedules within a conference. So even like within the ACC, where now you have 15 teams, Syracuse's last 10 games and the quality of opponents there might not might be better than Duke's and worse than Pitt's. Or, you know, I'm just throwing names out there. I, I actually have not looked at anybody's last 10 in the ACC. But you understand what I'm saying. Right. You know, it really isn't a matter of whether you go nine and one in your last ten. It's more of like who did you play and who did you beat in the last ten, and that actually goes back to what the NCAA has been, you know, trying to put more weight on with the quadrant system. Who did you play? Who did you know? Who did you beat? And where did you play them? Too uh, matters. It matters a lot. Probably a lot more in your non-conference schedule than conference, because of course in conference schedule everyone's playing the same amount of home and away. But um, yeah, I I I I can understand maybe uh, in that room taking two or three teams together, and if they're everything else is starting to look the same, saying, well, you know what though, this team, once you know, especially if like you know maybe they got a player back or or they were a young team and started playing better down the stretch, and you can look at those two or three teams and say, you know what, Team A has finished stronger than these other two. The other two are kind of limping to the finish line here. I think maybe we should take Team A because I think they're going to be a better tournament team now. Uh, but it, I don't want to see last 10 go back in as a, as a hard and true criteria because it's just too hard to, uh, to, to compare teams across the country or even within conferences now because the, your, your last 10 games, your schedule, the, you know, the quality of them just not the same. Yeah, let me ask you this, and Mike Waters, our guest, and we'll get into the attendance thing after this here, Mike, that, you know, I had this thought the other day, and I wonder if this would benefit, you know, major conferences are very good at stacking the deck in their favor, and, you know, hey, like the Big Ten and the Big 12 that were great in non-conference this year, so all of their wins are now great. Um, like, if if these leagues, like we've got the, the ACC-SEC challenge will be a thing starting next year. I wonder... Call me crazy here. If it wouldn't be better if they played it like this week, as opposed to in November, to to get like more major conference versus each other data points late in the season, it feels like that might be something that actually could uh, you know get you a better read and strengthen the major conferences at this point of the year. I think you could probably get support for that a little bit anyway. It makes some sense, like especially like let's take the ACC over the last couple years. Some of your teams have uh, not played as well in the non-conference as they have in conference and then in the tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, last year the ACC played very well in the tournament um, after being told all year long, you're not any good because look at where all your, you're not ranked and you're not in the high in the net. And you only have whatever. You're only going to get X number of teams into the tournament, but then they do really well. So, yeah, maybe the ACC right about now would be saying, you know what, it would be great for us to step outside of conference because all of our teams – have had their net rankings kind of dragged down because of their non-conference performance. And maybe we step outside and we play the, you know, a team from the SEC and we get a bump. The danger against that is, is you play a team from the SEC yeah. and you lose. <laughs> um, and, and you're going to get some pushback from coaches who are like, yeah, I don't know if I really want to do that at that time of the year. It disrupts the rhythm of the schedule. You know, maybe you play that a little earlier. You know, could you get coaches to go for it in mid-January or late-January yeah. as opposed to February? I don't know. 
Um, but listen, nothing says a, a non-conference game late in the season really is going to hurt you, and it might help. Before we were all worried about net rankings and stuff like that, Syracuse's 2003 team went and played at Michigan State yeah. for some unknown reason was, in February. It was a great and game. came out with a huge win. Uh, yep, and a big win, and a win that you could argue uh, really propelled that team for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that you know that was one of the games anyway. I think we knew that team was good, Mike. It certainly opened the eyes of the rest of the country to how to how good that team was this year. So, uh, Mike Waters is our guest. Uh, you wrote this morning about uh, Syracuse's attendance this year, and uh, the sky is falling, Mike. They're only fifth in the country. How how dare you? Uh, what what do you make of that here, Mike? Is it is it you know a legitimate issue? Is this a blip on the radar? Is it is something that's going to be fixed by you know a couple of huge crowds with Duke and Wake? Or what do you make about what's going on right now? Well, I, I don't think it's chicken. You know, I'm not being chicken little here. I do not think the sky is falling, but you do have to look at it with three home games remaining. You know, right now Syracuse's average attendance is just a hair under eighteen thousand per game. And in recent years, basically since 2016 or 2015 on, they've averaged around 21, 22, sometimes 23,000 a year. So we are looking at a deficit, right, with three games to go. Now, two of those games are going to be Saturday home games, and one is with a big-name opponent this Saturday with Duke, and the other one is going to be the regular season finale, senior day, they're honoring the 2003 team. They're going to retire Jerry McNamara's number three and Hakeem Warwick's number one. So you would expect big crowds for both of those. If you do the math, they're going to close the deficit, but probably still finish the season with their lowest attendance in about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not as bad as it looks right now on paper, but uh, like I said, I think they can get close to where they were last year. But still, it's... And when I talked with John Wildhack, you know, we, we talked about some of the reasons why and stuff, but he also didn't deny the fact that, yeah, they would like to see, you know, they don't want to see a dip in attendance. They want to see attendance remain strong. Um, it might be hard to increase attendance, you know, back up to where it used to be in, in the heyday because, first of all, all the games are on TV now. Every single game's on TV, and that didn't used to be the case. And the local area has lost a lot of population over the past few decades. So, you know, there's things like that that, that play a factor. But still, you know, it is somewhat shocking. I mean, you, and I went back and forth with a few readers uh, today, uh, both on emails and on Twitter, like, you know, hey, they're still doing great. They're fifth in the country. I'm like, listen, when you're used to being first or second, mm-hmm. you don't want to be fifth. You know, you don't want to be fifth. You want to get back up there. So, and by the end of the season, I think they will still finish. I don't know if they can be, win the attendance crown this year. I really don't. And uh, they might not even finish second. Kentucky and Carolina are both up ahead of them. But they can get back to, you know, ahead of a couple of the others and finish second or third, probably oh, third. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. The big, huge factor this year, and I put it in the story, the total lack of Saturday uh, home games uh, against ACC teams. Mm-hmm. They only got four Saturday home games. Two of them were when students weren't in session, which means it's practically, you know, you're losing like 3,000 people off the top because, I mean, I would, I'm would i guessing at least two or 3,000 students attend every Saturday home game. So when you have a Saturday home game in conference, and, and it's, but it's before the students return for spring semester, that's going to hurt your attendance totals. 
Yeah. Syracuse actually hasn't had a Saturday home ACC game yet when students were in session. Wow. That's crazy. Like last year, there was, there was a ton. Last year, it just happened to work out. But that's uh, that's that's crazy because especially now, you said it, Mike. Every game, I, to my knowledge, the the la- literally the last Syracuse game that was not on TV. Go figure. Of all games, was the the last game Mello played in the Dome against Rutgers, and or you know, and something we'd call TV streaming or whatever was uh, against Rutgers in the Dome in in '03. And every game after that, you've been able to see one way or another. And now everybody has a really nice TV. So why, why would you watch it somewhere else? But uh, what, what? Yeah, you- and what happens there is is now people don't. They're not compelled right. to buy the season tickets. So they'll pick out the games they want to buy in some cases. Now, some people still want that season ticket. They want their seat. They want to know where it is. They want that parking pass. You know, if the, the few games they're not going to go to, they can give away to friends or family or sell. But there's some folks out there who are like, you know, listen, it's, it's hard to afford the whole season ticket. Uh, I can see games on TV, and I know that the five or six I want to go to, I can get tickets for. I don't have to sit in the same seat. And that's what John Wildhack and the other folks up there, you know, they realize it, and they're doing their best to to battle it, to combat it, and, and to, to make that in-house, in-person um, experience worth it. Yeah, well, ten years ago, the secondary ticket market was you had to go to the dome and you know lurk around outside. Now the secondary ticket market is you get on your phone in your bed and you can buy tickets uh, when you wake up in the morning uh, before the game. All right, lastly, Mike, before we let you go, we've gone this far. We should probably talk about the basketball team, right? Like they've been pretty fun here the last few weeks. The games have been uh, compelling. What are you thinking? We're gonna we're gonna see Houston Duke coming up on Saturday. I think it's a real intriguing matchup. Uh, the problem for Syracuse is, is Duke's an incredible rebounding team. They pound the boards. They lead the conference by a mile and a half in terms of rebounding margin. They actually rank sixth in the country in rebounding margin. The issue will be, you know, how does, how does Duke uh, shoot threes against the zone? Are they going to be able to make enough from out there? Uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, if they're, if they have those kind of steady quality shooters, although you never know on a night when a team's going to get hot. NC State came in the other night. They're a really good three-point shooting team. Casey Morsell, one of the best three-point shooters in the conference, had a really bad night. Uh, went something like one of nine from three-point range. And believe me, he was open on several of those. He just had one of those nights. Maybe Duke's get a few guys hot. But the rebounding will be a concern. Here's the thing for Duke. They're two and six in true road games this year. Yeah. Their only road wins are Georgia Tech and Boston College, and the Boston College win was by a point when they got a break on a non-call late in the game. So, you know, uh, can they come on the road to an environment like the Dome when you know it's going to be rocking? Um, you know, that, that it's going to be a challenge for, for the, the younger Blue Devil players and first-year coach John Shire. No, it's certainly going to be the case. Certainly going to be the case. Mike, you can. I, I don't know what's going to happen Saturday, but I know this. You can start your article with in front of the largest on-campus crowd in college basketball this year. We, you can start it that way and uh, work from there. Because I, I, I don't know anything, but I'm certain that'll somehow end up being the case uh, this weekend. But uh, uh, now you know what I've been able to write that line in a game story probably every season for the last thirty-five. <laughs> yeah, well, at least once, and sometimes more than once in a year. It's a beautiful thing. All right, Mike. Uh, always good to chat. I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Sounds good, Brian. See you now. That is uh, Mike Waters, the Hall of Famer, Mike Waters. He he wrote about attendance today. We got off talking about all sorts of things, as does happen. With that, we'll take a break. Alyssa Murray in less than 10 minutes right here on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.